You know, Christmas is that moment in time when Jesus came for us. And that's such a, an incredible reality for all of us, that Jesus came for us, for me. I mean, I know me. I know where I've struggled, and, and I, I, I am often amazed that Christ would come to save me. Uh, I want you to meet someone that is special to, to our family. Uh, Pam Wilson has uh, been a member of our church uh, for, for many years. Uh, she has <clears throat> recently had to move to Little Rock, Arkansas, and I prayed for that not to happen, but uh, she moved anyway. Um, but um, <clears throat> when my daughter, Emily, uh, listed the spiritual influencers in her life, Pam Wilson was her Sunday school teacher right here at First Baptist Owasso. And, and I am grateful uh, for, um, for her and her influence in the life of my daughter, who's now a college freshman. And, um, and I wanted you to hear her story of when Jesus came for her. So Pam, would you share with us? Thank you, Pastor Wall. Merry Christmas. You know, Christmas means so much more today than it did when I was a child. Because as a child, I was born into a non-Christian home. And my father was an alcoholic, physically abused my mother. So Christmas morning was just a, an exciting day out of the year where we opened gifts and played with toys and ate good food. But there is really no mention of Jesus in our day. So I, as a child, started thinking, gosh, you know, I'm just going to have to pursue happiness, whatever that looked like, in my own self and in my own mind. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to meet Prince Charming and get married and live happily ever after. So that was my pursuit, and I started that at a young age. I lost my virginity to my first love. He broke my heart. And so I started in this pattern of needing a man for security, giving myself away over and over and over again. No worth, no value. But I didn't know there was something missing, some void in my heart that I was trying to fill. So what I thought was, okay, I'm just going to uh, wait until that euphoria and newness in the relationship is sustained, and that's Mr. Right. And then I'm good. It'll be all good. Well, that didn't happen. So in my promiscuous young youth years, I actually had unprotected sex many times. And I ended up having three abortions. Three abortions from the bad mistakes that I made in my life. So I began to come, become more burdened and dark and deep, and the void was so powerfully burdening to me. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to school, and I'm going to get the job that makes the most money, and I'm going to be successful and have money, and then everything will be okay. That void will be filled but yet it was still missing. I was able to buy anything I wanted. 
Money did not matter. It wasn't what I was looking for. Then I thought, okay, I'm going to get married. That'll be it. That's perfect. That'll fill me, and then I'll be good. That didn't work either. Okay, I'm going to have a child. That'll fill that spot that's empty inside of me. And as I held my newborn daughter in my arms, there was still something missing. Now that was powerful for me. If my child could not complete me, a man could not complete me, what was it? So I started numbing myself. I got so burdened and dark and deep and into such a vicious cycle of sin that I started numbing myself with alcohol. I became an alcoholic like my daddy was. Functional, I was able to work, but I came home every evening. And my alcohol was my God. So for many years, I numbed myself. So I would forget about that void, and it really didn't work. Then I needed more, because after a while, alcohol doesn't do it anymore. You have to have more and more and more. So, okay, I'll start doing some drugs, and that'll help. That'll numb me, because I'm just miserable with my life. At 40 years, of, uh, also, one more thing, too, that I struggled with was, okay, maybe I need to just look different. That's it. So I started plastic surgeries, had six plastic surgeries. Vanity was my idol for a while. So I, this is bigger, this is smaller, this looks different. Six times, still, nothing was working. So at the age of 40, I found myself out in Southern California. 30 relationships with men later, three abortions, six plastic surgeries, alcohol and drugs had just enslaved my life. And I was so burdened in my sin. And I hated who I'd become. I would look in the mirror in the morning and go, what? I could do anything I wanted. I, was a, I had a master's degree. I could do it. I was motivated. But I couldn't stop my sin. And at the time, one of my boyfriend's um, friends asked us to Saddleback Church on Sunday. So I went. And you know how sometimes you feel like that the pastor's talking directly to you? Well, that Sunday I did. And that pastor was Rick Warren. And so I went to Walmart that day after church, and I found out that he had written a book called The Purpose Driven Life. I didn't buy just one copy. I bought five. I'll never forget that Sunday morning in June of 2004. You know, my daddy used to always say, there's got to be more to life than this. But he didn't know the answer. So I wasn't taught the answer. I opened this book, and it changed my life. It said, it's not about you. What? Well, you can either serve the me, myself, and I trinity, or you can serve the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit trinity. And I was doing a good job of serving me, myself, and I, but it wasn't working. There was still something missing. And it said, you are not an accident. You were created for a purpose. Wow. That struck me like a bolt of lightning. 
God started working on my heart. 20 days later and 20 chapters later, it was a Sunday morning in July of 2004. My daughter had flown out to see her daddy that Saturday night, tried again in my own fleshly power to do good. Had sex, watched a porn, drank, smoked. And that Sunday morning in July of 2004, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, I hate you. I hate who you have become. So I went around and got on my knees that Sunday morning in my condominium in Southern California. I said, Jesus, I'm missing something. If it's you, please come in and fill me. That instant, he came into my life, released the burden that I'd carried for so many years, and alleviated my slavery to all my sin. I was immediately delivered from my sin. I tell you that to tell you that my story is powerful. I know it is. I've, I've been immediately delivered. And for 12 years, I've been walking intimately with God. It's been an amazing ride. I'm filled. That God-shaped hole can only be filled by Him. Our flesh is never satisfied. Never. And let me tell you this, guys. I would much rather have a boring some people say, I've got such a boring story compared to yours. I would much rather have been chosen by God to, to be married or to be grown up in a Christian home where I knew the love of God at a young age, but I didn't. I would give anything to not have to go through what I did for my story. But I'm giving him the glory for it now. You know, it says in the Bible, he makes beauty out of ashes. Masterpieces. Now my burden, guys, as a Christ follower in living a life of abundance in joy is that I see so many Christians walking around today not taking the benefit of the other reason that Jesus came. He came not only to forgive us of the burden of our sin and wipe that slate clean, but he also came to, for, to uh, relieve us of our slavery to our sin. And you know what, guys? It's a continual battle between the spirit and the flesh. Whichever one you empower is going to be the one that wins the battle. I've learned through my discipline and my intimate walk with God to feed my spirit and crucify my flesh. I live a life of abundance. Now, some Christians don't, and that burdens my heart so bad. So if you're living in past regrets for what you've done, leave these things at the foot sorry, of the cross. They're gone. There's a clean slate. No more. That is the first reason Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. But he also paid the price to free, to free us of our slavery to our sin. What are you holding on to in your Christian walk? We are called to be different. We are called to be the light of the world, 
to be joy, to be abundantly living. And you can do that. But don't pick up those slavery chains again. Live a life of, life of victory, not defeat. Since I've been walking with God for 12 years, as Pastor Wall said, the last, since February, I've been in Arkansas. God has taken me in some very deep, dark valleys. There's trials and suffering that go on. But Apostle Paul says to rejoice in those. You know what, guys? In valleys, there's soil. And that's where the fruits are mature. There's no soil on your mountaintops. And I tell you what, I'd much rather be in a valley in the presence of my God than on the mountaintop without. Thank you, Pastor Walt, for letting me share. <clears throat> I'm grateful for Pam and her, her story. And over the last several weeks, the last four weeks, we've been working to unpack the significance of this gift of Jesus. And we've been looking at this incredible doctrine, this very important doctrine on the person of Christ. If you have your Bibles, I want us to look at one of the most significant Christmas passages in all the Scripture. It's in Galatians chapter 4. And uh, turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, and we're going to look at 4 through 7. But, but I, it's been my prayer for us as a body, as a church family, that we can really understand the significance of Jesus. Because we live in a world that doesn't understand him. We, we live in a world where uh, a lot of people see Jesus uh, as one of the options, as one of the ways to heaven. That they see Jesus as a good teacher or, a, or, a, or a, a, just a, a person of history. But the truth is, Jesus is so much more. Jesus is our Lord. He's our Savior. He's the one who entered human history. And, and the Bible reveals that, that Jesus is not just one of the ways to heaven, but like the book of John says, that, that he is the door by which every one of us must enter. That's who Jesus is. He's the only way, the only path, and, and we are compelled to know him as, as Lord and Savior, that we follow him. Like Pam said, that we are, we are a group of people that are, are led by the Lord, that he guides us. We, we submit to his voice. When he tells us to move, we move. We, we follow the, the path he's laid out for us. We run the race marked out for us. And this is why I will say over and over again that following Christ is the greatest adventure you'll ever take. Now, Galatians chapter 4, would you stand with me? And let's look at this incredible passage, Paul's writing to the church at Galatia as they are struggling to understand the significance of Jesus. And he writes in verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And this is the word of the Lord. 
Thank you. you. May be seated. Now let's uh, let's look at this for just a, a few minutes on this incredible day. Here you see Paul reflecting on this moment that God decreed. This is the perfect time. It, it shows the purpose of God at work. And, and and the first thing I want us to see today is that Jesus came at the perfect time. It was the perfect time for for Jesus to to enter human history. And Paul writes that this was not some accidental moment, some happenstance that, oh, well, I guess I'll come here at this time. No, in the first century Palestine, it was the perfect time to come. Now, now to me, in in our modern world, that's confusing because we have Twitter now. Uh, We have Instagram I mean, when I, it's, and that's crazy to me. Like, like for example, uh, I bought my son a truck for Christmas, uh, or, or excuse me, uh, I bought my son a truck for his birthday, for his 16th birthday, and right before he turned 16, I wrecked it. It was a terrible day. It was terrible. And I called my son. I didn't, I'd forgot to put the insurance card in there. And it was like three blocks from my house. It was in a parking lot. I'm like, this is such a bummer. And I text Eric. I said, hey, man, I wrecked your truck. Bring the insurance card right now. He rides a bicycle um, to, to, the, to the parking lot. And he's like, oh, Dad, you wrecked my truck. I'm like, yeah, sorry, man. This is history. I only paid 750 bucks for it, so it didn't take much to total that bad boy. And, um, and so, but he takes a picture of it and posts it on Instagram. And then within a minute, I get a call from Keith Davis going, did you wreck your truck? I'm like, what are you, how did you know? And he goes, it's on Instagram. I'm like, are you kidding? My, my daughter, Addie, told me about it. I'm like, you're kidding me. Yes, great. Um, you would think that would be the world that Jesus would come because we could just post it on Instagram. But what's interesting is God, in all his purposes, in all his understanding, came to first century Palestine. But that made so much sense. And let's look, think about this historically. But that, that Jesus, first century Palestine was an interesting place because that was kind of the center of commerce. That, that when, um, when people would travel from the east and they would take their goods from Asia and they wanted to go to Europe, they would go through Palestine. If you wanted to go to Africa, you would go through Palestine. It was kind of the hub of life. And just like the gospel has spread on the, on the paths of commerce, here you see a perfect moment for Jesus to come to first century Palestine as merchants and people would travel through carrying their goods and their services. They would rub shoulders with people who were impacted by Jesus. Remember Acts chapter 8, there's a story of, of Philip in, a, in the Ethiopian eunuch. As, as this guy is traveling through on his caravan, he, he meets Philip and he's reading the Bible, and and he's like, wow, this is interesting. These prophets, how do I understand this? Philip leads him to Christ and baptizes him right there, and then he goes on to Ethiopia. The gospel spreads. It was perfect. It was the perfect time. You know, here you have so many other things. The Greek language was, was prominent. That was the language of commerce. People were learning Greek to do business. And, 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 and you know, Jesus came to a Greek-speaking culture, and, and, and the, the, the Bible was written in Greek, and, and, and people were understanding and communicating for the first time. There was this language that was common. It was a perfect time. 
Then you have the Romans that come in and in the history of Rome and Western civilization. They, Rome comes in and they, they established a system of law. Uh, they conquered all these nations and, and there was for the first time you could travel in relative safety all over the world. And what happened, these people got saved, their lives were impacted by Jesus and they traveled and said, you gotta know about this carpenter who was a king, who entered human history. And you had Roman law, you had Roman peace, you had Roman roads that were all just taking place and taking shape and the gospel was able to be spread and people would, would talk about Jesus and share their story. Paul writes, when the fullness of time had come, look at verse four, what happened? God sent his son born of a woman I mean, think about that. God, God himself sent his son. I mean, this is uh, an incredible thing to process, that, that God himself would come into this world. And, 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 and it shows Paul's writing here in this, this important truth, and I don't want you to miss it, that, that we see that God sent his son. We, we recognize Jesus, and this is why we submit to him, and we, we can't put him in a category like other religious leaders. Jesus was different because all through the scripture, we understand Jesus as existing before Bethlehem. I mean, we, we make a big deal about the birth of Jesus. He came to Bethlehem, but the reality is Jesus existed before Bethlehem was even established. He was there when time began. I mean, John, we've looked at this, that, that John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus is not just one of the options to choose in your belief system or in a, in a culture that is growing more pluralistic, meaning that there are many ways to God. People believe that. That's not true. We are Bible-believing. We've come to understand that Jesus was God who entered human history and this person of Christ that we've been unwrapping is this, re is this truth that when, when Jesus came into the world, Jesus Christ was fully God. Jesus Christ was fully man in one person and will be so forever. And this is something that is hard for us to wrap our minds around, that, that in this human being can, be, can, can abide all the attributes of God, his omniscience, he's all-knowing, his omnipotence, he's all-powerful, his omnipresence, that he's in this room right now and we, we, he's leading us, the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, and, and we see the Trinity at work, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but in this moment when God entered human history, Jesus was different than any other person that's ever lived because in this body is, a, is the sinless one, the one who is different than us that we recognize as the God of all creation and, and we worship him, but then yet he became like us so we can understand how to live. We can know how to overcome temptation. We can recognize how to, how to rely on the Lord, how to look to him every day for our lives. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, but born under the law. God himself chose to be limited, chose to, to take on a human body. And I guarantee you, and don't miss this, that when we get to heaven, and when I draw my last breath, I will be in the presence of God. 
And for the first time in my life, I will see holiness and I will be in the presence of God and I will stop. I guarantee you that will be a moment that I will, that all of us will just be amazed at the holiness of God and the fact that God chose to come into human history and break into our world and, and die for us. You see, this is a significant moment that Jesus came into history. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Look at verse 5. What did he do? Jesus came not only at the perfect time. Jesus came in the perfect way. God incarnate. God in the flesh. Jesus coming in the perfect way. And then he says, to redeem those. I came to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And that Jesus entered human history so that you and I could be adopted. This morning was such a fun morning because when I, I, saw, uh, I saw Rob Lewis here today. Rob and Sarah Lewis are, are members of our church and Rob has preached for, for me a couple of times and, and, um, and Rob is about to start his doctoral work at Southern Seminary. I mean, goodness gracious, our, oh, Chad's starting his doctorate. We're about to have more doctors around here than St. Francis. It's going to be awesome. And, um, but, but Rob, Rob and Sarah have had a radically different Christmas because about eight months ago, it was just Rob and Sarah, this young couple that, that uh, were just been married for about, I think, about eight years or so, six, seven, eight years, something like that. And this year, they, had, they are in process. They've adopted two children and are in process of getting their third. So they've gone. This Christmas, they woke up this morning. Last Christmas, they woke up and it was just Rob and Sarah. This Christmas, it was Rob, Sarah, and three little children. Now, talk about teaching you how to pray. You talk about a different Christmas. You talk about, whoa, what just happened? We just had a tornado hit our house. But it was so fun watching these children. And I thought about this Christmas through their eyes. Last night, Rob posted a, 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 a moment with his son, that newly adopted son. And he called him dad. He said, dad, I'm going to be strong like you. And Rob talked about, man, I put them to bed last night and I put all these presents together and I was like, you know, you know those things that make you want to repent after you get open those packages, you have to put those things together and you're like, who in the world designed this stupid thing? Um, but Rob was putting all that together and they woke up. I saw them this morning. They were in the first service. I said, how was your Christmas? They go, oh my goodness, it was amazing. But this Christmas, for the first time, little Gabe has a daddy. He's been adopted. And you know, um, they were wondering when they first came into their house, are, are we going to go away? Are you going to go away from us like the other mommies and daddies that have come to us? And they were like, no, we adopted you. You're ours. And, and you know, that's what, that's what Paul's saying here. 
He's saying, look, Jesus came to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, that that we've been adopted into his family. Jesus has, has rescued us. He has helped us, and he leads us, and he protects us. He guides us. He, he shows us what to do. He helps us know how to live. He changes our destiny. And see, Jesus came, when he came into the earth, the world, he came in a perfect way. He, he came at the perfect time. He came in the perfect way. He came as a man. But do you know what else he gave? G- number three today is Jesus offers the perfect inheritance. Look at what verse six. And because you are sons, look at this, God has sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts. That, that, that the Holy Spirit comes into us and lives with us and forgives us and rescues us, that God came for us and lives in us. And this is why we're compelled, like, like the challenge from Pam's heart today, is that, that we're compelled to walk with the Lord. We're compelled to live for him. We're compelled to, to, to allow his spirit to guide our steps, and we're compelled to submit to him and to follow his voice. And we cry out, Abba, Father, we praise the Lord. We, we, we recognize him as Savior and Lord. And then he says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and then an heir through God. Now let's understand this inheritance here. Jesus offers the perfect inheritance. Most of the time when we think about an inheritance, we think, what is somebody going to leave us when they die? But when Scripture speaks of inheritance, it talks about something different. It talks about what we receive when we die. Now, over the last several, several years in my life, I've been, I've been studying and looking and writing on death and dying. I've been, it's great at parties when people talk to me about it. It's awesome. But I've been studying this and wrestling through this, and, and what I've come to recognize is the hope that the Scriptures speak of when it talks about death and dying, the inheritance that we receive, that when we pass from this life, we receive an inheritance. And let's recognize this. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 1 when he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, listen to this, into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. For you and me. We've been adopted and there's, there's this inheritance that it is kept in heaven for us and, and who through faith we are shielded by God's power. And I love that picture that, that we have faith in Christ, we trust him, and we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And you know, I love this picture of this inheritance. Now, when you think about the inheritance, our inheritance includes the very presence of God. That, that you and I, when, we, when, we, when, when this life is over, when we run our race, we will enter into the presence of God. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 says this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Revelation 21 says God himself will be there. 
we will enter into the very presence of God. And I'll tell you, every, every moment in Scripture when someone enters into the presence of God, it is an absolutely marvelous moment. It's an absolutely captivating moment. And you and I will be ushered in to the presence of God. Our inheritance is incredible. Uh, our inheritance also includes an eternity of peace and happiness. First, Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. And, there shall be, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In heaven there will be no sadness, no cancer, no death. And do you notice who will wipe away the tears from our eyes? It will be Jesus who will wipe away the tears from our eyes. And, and this is the compassion and the tenderness that he gives us. And he's talking about this close, personal relationship that we will have with God and as we look at the Scriptures that we will have with one another. And I really believe when we get to heaven, we're going we're gonna to recognize the significance of our time that we served the Lord together and our, and our time that we ran this race together and we ministered to a community, to a world that needs Christ. And this is why I believe as a church we are compelled to bravery and obedience in this call to, to, be, to run into the spiritual battle rather than being Christians that are sitting on the sidelines and being cautious. But, but we're to be brave men and women of God, raising up children that have faith in Christ, that walk with Jesus, that trust him, that will say, Lord, we will go wherever you tell us to go. And this is why as a church, I passionately believe what is in front of us is so very important. As, as we look at uh, in 2017, as I believe God is going to move us to begin construction on the mission. And folks, this is something we've got to build. We've got to follow through with what God has called us to do. At the same time, God is opening a door to us, for us, at Calvary Baptist Church as, as a church has come to us to say, can you merge with us? Can, can we expand our influence to, South, to, to North Tulsa? And it's interesting to me because I've had people, I've had some friends say, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go to a place where where it's not wealthy and it's not, it's not easy. I think to myself, God didn't call us to easy. He didn't call us to comfort. He didn't call us to, to he called us to those that are in need, right? And as we pray about things, as we move to decisions and, and making decisions about our future, Man, God has called us to be a church that runs headlong into the spiritual battle. And he's with us, and he leads us, and he guides us, and he uses us. And as, and as we go, as we run that race, as we continue the Great Commission, and we, we go into all the world preaching the gospel and sharing our faith, serving people, we watch God transform lives. And I guarantee you, we're going to get to heaven someday, and we're going to sit around. And yeah, Peter and these guys that walked with Jesus and saw him will want to say, man, what was that like to hear him teach? 
I think they'll go, hey, we saw him. What was it like to trust him? And you just had faith in him. You know, the Bible tells us that we are more blessed than them because we have believed and haven't seen. So I think at Peter and Thomas and, and, and John and, these, and Paul and all these guys would go, hey, wait, 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 no, we saw him. What was it like to trust him when you didn't see him? Now, as we wrap up this Christmas day, what a great day to come to worship. What a great day to come to church and, and, and to embrace this truth that the fullness of time had come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And we cry out, Abba, Father, you saved us. Now let's follow him. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, oh, come to Jesus, see who he is, recognize him as the Savior who came for you. Don't be, get sucked into all those money and stuff and alcohol and those things. Those things don't produce what you think they'll produce. Come to Jesus. We invite you. You know, we're going to have an invitation. Our altars are going to be open. And, and there's a lot of things we need to pray for. We need to pray for the mission. We need to pray for God to help us finish that race. We've got to finish that race. Because like Chad said, I think Chad said earlier, the mission is just a beginning of what God is going to start. Though it's up and running, this new building is going to be a new beginning. We've got to pray about our responsibility with Calvary that, that, that to be a church that says we're going to run into this battle. We're not going to run away from it. You know, we need to pray for a family right now. Just in the first service, right before I came up on stage, Randy Gurrell sent me a text message. We, there's a missionary couple, Jordan and Becky Saucedo. We support them. They are serving the Lord in New York City in Manhattan. And they're starting a church there. And they're, they grew up here. And they're part of our church. And they have sent out. They're, they're sent out and they're serving the Lord. This morning... Um, they had their precious little baby. Uh, Christmas Day birth. Awesome day to be born. The challenge is that baby is 32 weeks along. She's 32 weeks along. And so there's some concerns with the early birth of that Christmas blessing. But we need to pray for them. We need to pray for that precious little child that was born just as our first service began. And let's pray for a, a, a grandma, Karen Gorell, that's in California trying to get here to get there to New York. Let's pray for this missionary couple. And I'm praying, here's what I'm praying for for them, that God uses this to help them make connections with people around them. But we need to, they need our church to pray for them today. So let's pray for the mission. Let's pray for Calvary. Let's pray for the Saucedos. But if you need Jesus, we're praying for you. That you come to him. And you follow him. 
You walk with him. Let us show you how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. And on Christmas Day, there's not a better day in the world to come to Christ. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, we love you and we trust you.